This is Defenders TV Podcast, episode 96, where we are looking at Iron Fist, season 1, episode 7, Felling Tree with Roots. Welcome back, Defenders, to this episode 96 of Defenders TV Podcast. We're getting close to that 100 mark. And, of course, we are felling tree with roots. We are tree surgeons in this episode as we look at Iron Fist Season 1, Episode 7. And wow, wow, bloody gory wow. <laughs> I am one of your hosts, John. I'm one of your other hosts, Derek. And Renny at the group. I'm your one and only other host, Chris. Absolutely. Uh, where will we go in this podcast? Um, we thought it was going to be a, a mystical, magical journey of discovery in, in this episode. We thought we might get a glimpse of the city of Conlon, but instead we got very much a down-to-earth, raw and bloody episode, which in itself was fantastic. What did you guys think quickly? Yeah, it was a really, really brutal, violent episode, and I kind of enjoyed it. Um, we kind of talked about at the end of episode six that that was the last uh, episodes that were put out for screeners. We're now into episode seven. I can see why they didn't want to let this cat out of the bag by releasing these episodes early anywhere, regardless of whether it's press or not. I can kind of see why Netflix didn't want to release episode seven to the press or to anybody to let this kind of secret out. And what secret would you be referring to, oh Derek? We will talk about it later on because okay. just to let our listeners know, uh, this is obviously our spoiler-filled review of episode seven. Um, if you haven't seen it, it's the bloody one. Um, so uh, <laughs> if you don't remember what episode number it was, uh, you may not have seen it. Uh, go watch it and come back to us afterwards. Yeah, absolutely. This is Tuesday the 4th of April and this is our new episode. Uh, just to let uh, the listeners know, as always, we will be releasing episodes every Friday and Tuesday. Our next uh, episode, uh, episode 8 of Iron Fist, will be reviewed and will be aired out on Friday the 7th of April. Um, of course, please... Um, head over to iTunes at DefendersTVPodcast.com forward slash iTunes. Please subscribe to our podcast and leave a review if you are so inclined. And of course, you can uh, use any other good podcast catcher um, for Defenders TV Podcast. Just search the name uh, and we will pop up with dulcet tones absolutely and what that means is in two weeks time we will have the 100th episode of defenders tv podcast if you want to send us in some feedback uh, at all for our 100th episode you can email us at feedback at defenders tv podcast.com or you can record your thoughts about 90 seconds over on our website defenders tv podcast.com Absolutely. Remember that you can join the community uh, of our podcast and of the Defenders series over on Netflix. Please just go to Facebook, like our page, join our group, just search Defenders TV Podcast on Facebook, and of course the at Defenders Cast on Twitter. It's a bit of fun over in the group, isn't it, Chris? It is. And I'm thinking I'm going to start a new post for when we, we release this episode. And I want to see what our fellow listeners think. Mm -hmm. I think we need a nickname. We are the defenders. Could they be the defend defendees? <laughs> they could be. They could or, be. Or, yeah. Or the defendants. The defendants. Or the defendants. 
or the defendants yeah. or the accusers. Maybe. The defenders and the fellow accusers. I don't know. I think we need an I think we need a, a nickname for the, the, the hundreds that are in the group. What do you want to call yourselves? I like it. But we'll put a poll together and we'll vote for some top names and going forward the defendees or defendettes will you will have a name and we will refer to you as such. I like it. For the moment, it is the listeners. Thank you so much for joining us again for this episode. Always great to have you with us for these reviews of Iron Fist on Netflix. Absolutely. I mean, I always say welcome defenders. That's true. So that's, true. that's another one to add to the bag. But I think with that, we should start thinking about the defense of this episode of Iron Fist, episode seven, Felling Tree with Roots. Uh, I feel it should be plural, but nonetheless, felling tree with roots it is. Derek, what have you got for us on this episode? Uh, well, this episode was written by Ian Stokes. Uh, well, now would probably as a writer for Teen Wolf and Warehouse 13. He's done multiple episodes of those shows. But interestingly, he does get two episodes of Iron Fist. And unlike most of the other writers on the show that get two episodes, they're not back to back. He gets episode 11 after episode seven. So a couple episodes time, we'll get a, another episode by Ian Stokes. And I'm kind of delighted about that. He's done a really good job of this episode which we'll go into. <laughs> uh, the episode was directed by Farron Blackburn. Um, he's well known again in the Defenders universe. He did two episodes back in season one, which we talked about extensively. He's worked on, on shows like Doctor Who in the past as well. Uh, but he did World on Fire, which was episode five of uh, season one of Daredevil. And he also did Nelson v. Murdoch, which is uh, season one, episode 10. That wonderful episode as the relationship between Foggy and Matt breaks down even further, I think, in, at, at, towards the end of the season. I think there was a bit of a, a relationship breakdown in, in this episode as well. I think a there lot was. more bloody. Um, yes, <laughs> and, and if you dislike dental work, um, maybe close your ears in, in the next while. Yeah. So, John, do you want to tell us what they gave us with your synopsis for Season 1, Episode 7 of Iron Fist, Felling Tree with Roots? Sure. Harold is in trouble with the hand as they grow suspicious of his connection with Danny Rand, which is confirmed when Danny arrives at Harold's penthouse while he is being interrogated by two hand operatives. In the aftermath of this bloody encounter, Harold looks to his put-upon son Ward to dispose of the bodies, as their relationship becomes increasingly strained. Elsewhere, relationships look brighter as Danny and Colleen's connection grows closer, just as another man from her past, her martial arts mentor, Bakuto, returns with unknown intentions. As Danny starts investigating his father's past at Rand Enterprises, he spots a familiar face, Madame Gao. As he learns of the level of infiltration at Rand Enterprises by the hand, he persuades Colleen and High King Yang and his hatchetmen to help them fight the hand. In an attack on the hand to rescue Radovan, he reveals to Danny that Gao has departed for Anjou, where Rand's family was flying to 15 years ago. However, another vacation is on the cards as Joy convinces Ward to get away from it all after Danny announces a decision that has serious consequences for their role on the Rand Enterprises board. As Ward is prevented from going on vacation by his father, the pressure and strain of their relationship spills over and runs a deep and angry shade of red. Covered in red. Wait, I was going to go with red, red wine. <laughs> Should we kick off with point one, then? I feel we should have Barry White music for the background of this, ladies and yes. gentlemen. Absolutely, yes. Point one is love is in the dojo. Absolutely. Colleen gets her fist 
It is, I thought, really lovely uh, relationship in, in this episode. I, I really, really enjoyed it. You know, like Claire and uh, Matt Murdock have had a bit of a tempestuous kind of relationship. Mm-hmm. Luke Cage and Claire, maybe, maybe not. Obviously, with Misty Knight, it wasn't so much. And certainly, you know, a, a bit angry, if that's your kind of thing, with Jessica Jones. And mm-hmm. um, this really seemed like they had come together in a really nice kind of way, you know, yeah. um, that it had developed. And this was a, a natural uh, progression of, of that development. I think as well, one of the points that we'll bring in later about um bakutu is that that ultimately in the same episode that for me that natural progression does get undermined slightly about possibly um you know a bit of suspicion on colleen or you know what what's going on but i really like these two getting together it felt right uh, it felt like they'd worked through their initial difficulties differences or what have you and i kind of really really like this i think in particular it was really helped by that kind of electro synth type of music that they had it really (laughs) reminded me of of terminator 2 to be honest um and i i kind of really enjoyed it i thought it really lent itself to to these scenes and this it, is the kind of brad fadell theme tune to terminology yeah. not the not the really harsh banging the lovely synth music that falls underneath the main theme for yeah exactly <laughs> um yeah and is used in some of the more tender moments within terminator 2 where there's a, a more intimate sort of scene going on right so i i just thought this was really really cool chris he got was- his mojo on in the dojo I like it. I like it. Chris, what did you think of this? Mojo in the dojo. I, I think I'm going to remember that one. I really enjoyed this. I have to admit, fully and completely, the comic book fan of me kind of had a secondary double take, kind of going, oh, they, this is where they're going with this, because some of the comic fans know mm-hmm. there there's a more Misty Knight, Danny Rand love connection yeah and we assumed we were going to see that in this well we did talk about it uh and we weren't sure given given the actress that plays misty nice hasn't showed up on the show that it was it was unlikely that we were going to see that and, and we did think there was going to be uh, a, a relationship here between colleen and danny there's definitely been the setup since this first episode and it's been building really well i think to to john's point and to your point chris it's a lovely scene because it's not coming out of nowhere you can tell it's it's uh, it's something that's been building up they have that wonderful moment bottom of the bed overnight chatting and opening up to each other and then it it happens naturally which is which is really good to see regardless of the fact that it's not the comic book coupling of misty knight and danny i think it works on the show yeah yeah and i think that that's the main point i think that's why why i didn't the, once that initial shock kind of was like oh okay yeah it, it was like yeah actually this makes sense that there's been this flirtatious sub thread sub sub storyline sub yeah. plot whichever you want to call it since the beginning and that's fine i'm i'm down with that i think it, it's a good way of doing it mm-hmm. i think what john alluded to more which is this this mentor coming in which we can get to uh, later on. I think we might as well get to that point now. Both both of you mentioned it, so we might as well get into it. It's not a huge point, um, but it is a huge moment, or could be a huge moment for the series, really. Yeah, Chris? Yeah, so we get this introduction of, of Colleen's potential, or what we assume to be one of her main mentors in the Bushido, Baku, 
Bakutu. And they, there's this, the way they discuss it makes it seem like she was given the task of getting close to Danny. Yeah, At absolutely. some point. And that then straight away undermines this potential love story that they've already got. And you're like, okay, was she doing it just to get close to him? Mm. Uh, does she actually care for him? Why, why is she being told to get close to him and get friendly with him? Why is she told to report back to Bakuto about this? Um, straight away, I want to know more. Yes. The, the, the typical Netflix thing, which is like mid-episode. Oh, here's a really salacious piece of information. Oh, wait, no, we're not going to talk about that for another episode. Yeah. That's, you just remember this point now and we'll get back to it in a while. Absolutely. But this does make me wonder actually maybe this isn't budding love in the dojo maybe this is straight away this was a a tarred tris um that will cause danny to um turn against colleen almost Mm. and uh she used him and abused him and now that that that's an issue I really hope not, uh, because I do. I do think that scene played really well. It, it played really naturally as well. So, and considering the first three or four episodes, uh, until Colleen saw the power and, and saw Danny leading her, it felt like she was really staying out of his reach and trying to push him away quite quite heavily, and not a not a pushing him away, but going you can still stay kind of thing. He was really forcing himself to be involved in her life because she's his only friend. So it kind of would feel like a really weird thing if she was actually doing that on purpose, if you know what I mean. It feels like she would she would have been trying way too hard to push him away if her task was to get him close. It was one line where B- Bakuto, her mentor, says, keep up what you're doing. Yeah. And, and it was that line, really, that kind of just you know, uh, raise the shackles, it's kind of like, what does he mean by that? Because that sounds as though there's some kind of predetermined plan that there's been a bit of subterfuge kind of going on by by that. I, I think even as well, you know, he's talking about the Iron Fist here as well, quite openly with her. Yeah. Now, we don't see that conversation, but I assume that she has said this to him. But you never know. It, it, it seems... Bakuto is very familiar with this. Um, he certainly doesn't seem uh, surprised by it. Ultimately, you know, the question has to be asked here as to whether this guy, he's obviously a skilled martial artist and teacher, taught Colleen, is this possibly Davos under a different name? You know, it the, the conversation about the Iron Fist um, and about Danny Rand seems to be very familiar for him. He doesn't seem too phased by mm. the, these kind of conversations. And I think ultimately, though, what the other great thing is, he is, for me, that there's two aspects. Is that, you know, is Colleen in cahoots with this guy and this line of keep up what you're doing has maybe more sinister connotations to it and secondly if not and this guy does come out to be davos then you know this puts colleen into a a really nice little quandary there's going to be a conflict there um you know she obviously has great respect for for this this mentor Mm -hmm. uh, as to what he's taught her and yet she's also then actually genuinely you know has fallen for danny rand yeah and so that decision time where she's got to make a choice will rapidly approach if this mentor bakuto is in fact davos and i think that's really really good so like not only does it in the episode 
you know, just raise a question about that whole love scene or the the increasing connection in their relationship. Yeah. But you know that later on, um, you know, if it is all genuine, then she is going to have a right old quandary and a decision to make as to who she ultimately plumps for. I remember, listeners, if you missed it on a previous episode in the show, Davos is a childhood friend of Danny, someone that grew up with him in Kunlun. Danny has mentioned him a few times that he is one of his friends. They used to uh, they used to pal around together while they were in Kunlun. So um, we haven't seen him yet, and we don't know who he is. Uh, Bakuto is a character from the comic books, a very minor character within the comic books. Only had a few issues over time. We're not going to go into his backstory either because uh, we don't want to color the TV show by something that may have happened in the comic books that may not play out on the show. But yeah, it's quite interesting that it's a possibility here that this could be another big bad for the show. We're on episode seven and that's kind of well known as the territory where you start to see the big bads appearing uh, through the shows, particularly in things like Luke Cage, um, where that's where the big bads suddenly emerged uh, on the show. So um, so very interesting to see what happens with that character. Um, it is possible, of course, that Colleen was turning to him as a friend and going, I'm going out with this guy, Danny Rand. He's saying he's the Iron Fist. And Bakudo just happens to know who that is and goes, don't worry, you're fine, you're safe. Um, just keep doing what you're doing and exactly. you'll be okay. It could, it could be just as simple as that. But uh, but I do think, like like John, I do think there's a bit more of a nefarious um, reason behind his interest in Iron Fist. Yeah, he's, uh, he's definitely a mysterious mentor Absolutely. at this stage. I think if it does turn out to be just, as you said, that kind of Connie was just confiding in him, they were just friends etc that would be a low payoff right for what i believe they're trying to do Mm -hmm. but we've been assuming over the last couple of episodes that and the podcast in particular that we will get a secondary big bad Mm -hmm. someone above madame go i'm wondering if yes this is this range this is the time episode seven episode eight nine when they start introducing the secondary character as the big bad the enemy we've seen it in other shows yeah I'm wondering, would they use that same thing? It's almost like we've seen it been done before. We've seen it been done with Luke Cage. Mm-hmm. So would they do the exact same thing again? Pay a questionnaire, kind of going, well, since there has been crossover, but actually more with well, Iron Fist, the crossover from a writing perspective is more Jessica Jones and Daredevil. Uh-huh. Particularly they're the ones we know. We haven't yet seen uh, a crossover with Luke Cage, and I'm not sure the potentially there is later on. We just haven't got to it. But that would potentially mean that, yes, these guys may have done the same kind of plot point. Yeah. But not seeing it as an issue because it wasn't the last thing that they wrote. Yeah. And again, I, it's going to be a very different show anyway, regardless. I suppose the, the bad guy that was in Luke Cage is, was very different. Uh, from episode seven on your, onwards, then just even this one scene that we see with Bakusa tells me he's not going to be like uh, Diamondback. So. But we hope. <laughs> well, some people he gets do. gets a shiny new suit at the end Some of the people episode. do. This also could be the character's name. This character could just be Bakusa. Uh, Absolutely. From the comic books. He, that, that could be his introduction right there, and we'll learn more about him in the next episode. Uh, absolutely. But, uh, but yeah, it's interesting to speculate about these things when you see a character come on board with a history of your of your, the character you've watched for seven episodes and suddenly changes, well, potentially changes your opinion of that character from just a couple of lines. It's really interesting. Absolutely. I think uh, with that, we can move on from speculation to pure, brutal uh, 
fact. Um, and this is um, the dental work that Harold Meacham meets out with, well, a very indelicate type of dental tool, uh, a regular hardware hammer, in Absolutely. fact. Um, you know, this was something, and in fact, this whole episode to some extent in terms of these physical, violent uh, scenes really reminded me of Daredevil season one and season two where they had similar scenes this was no hold bars really in 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 that viewing of of the violence and i mean here we see harold going at the face of these two hand operatives that have come to discipline him effectively for uh, suspicious behavior and and reckless behavior as the hand sees it we have a great scene where you know it's like ding and out comes Danny Rand, and then there's the big <laughs> fight, and it's not just the fight, but it's the cleanup afterwards with Harold um, effectively caving in someone's teeth yeah. so that he can not be identified mm-hmm. from his dental records. Yeah. Um, really, you see it. Yeah, you see it all. <laughs> really I'm not going to the dentist in probably the next five years, just in case I have a Harold Meacham dentist. I do find it really interesting that one of our listeners compared Ward Meacham to um, to the character from American Psycho uh, a couple of a couple of episodes ago in, in one of our pieces of feedback. Because as my dad used to say, it's not off the road he licked it. It's Harold Meacham that is a brutally violent American Psycho, as we see in this scene. Um, as Ward comes into the comes into the place, he finds out that not only is Harold taking out the teeth and the face of these two of these two guys with a hammer, he's also cut off his own finger and thrown it in the bin, uh, which he calls a uh, a, a kitchen accident uh, to, to Ward. Harold's pretty brutal in this episode and willing to do anything to get away from Madame Gao. Um, and to me, that is the American psycho. So it, it you know it, it does kind of speak to what happens later on in the episode. If you're like that possibility a member of your family might also turn out like that yeah it's literally it's hammer time i mean the other great thing from this scene was just ward's uh reaction you know he he's he's coming across to his dad's penthouse thinking what does he want me to do now it must be something at rand industries and there he is you know knocking the shit out of someone's face and he's gagging and of course, he goes to throw up in the in the bin, and there's this this finger. Yeah. Now that would have made me throw up. I was surprised he didn't actually throw up. Yet he, he managed to stifle it. Yeah, I think it was just too much for him uh, yeah, to even get so. to the point of throwing up. I think he just he just experienced so much in those five seconds that his body can't even react anymore. I both loved and hated this scene. Okay. It, for a number of reasons. One, okay, so when Danny walks in, that's a great piece. It's hilarious. Um, yeah. It's hilarious. He's like, <laughs> I don't know anything about Danny Rand. Ding! Yeah, as he arrives. Yeah, absolutely yeah, like, priceless. Oh. And then there's a great quick fight scene. Mm-hmm. Again, Danny has an issue with this guy from the hand, but I think we, we're just... I'm now assuming that once you become an operative of the hand, you are more high-powered than a, a low-level thug, and it takes Danny a bit of work to take down one person. And remember, he's just come back from his grand test, so he's literally just come back after being uh, after being beaten for uh, beaten upon for uh, quite a long time, and says he can't use his chi. He's he needs time to 
repair himself. Yeah, so, I, yeah. I, I wondered whether he had a, a, a battery recharge symbol at this point. <laughs> um, He's like, oh no, my Iron Fist is just at 30%. <laughs> but it definitely, I put it down to the fact that he had used all his cheer-up in fighting the, the three challengers from uh, the previous episode. Yeah, it's hard to know the rules on it, isn't it? Yeah, it, it, yeah absolutely. <laughs> yeah, and then what we get with the point of the hammer time, as we're now coming to call it, for me, I, I think it was also too reminiscent. Uh, I think because our listener had pointed out the American Psycho bit mm-hmm. to me, and when we have Warden Harold there, and it just stuck in my head then, in that scene, uh, just kind of, who was it? Christian Bell just kind of jumping around his apartment in his uh, uh, his see-through plastic suit. Mm-hmm. And it was, that's just what it reminded me of. It just hit so straight home. And I, it became almost, they were trying to go for horrifying, mm-hmm. I believe. But it kind of got me to almost comic. Okay. And I, I, I don't know. I think it was, I think this was purely me. I think it was just because the American Psycho analogy had been placed in my head. Right. That I was like, well, okay. This, this is not going to work for me. Yeah, I think I think we had a few of those moments throughout Daredevil season uh, season one and two actually that we were kind of calling out in the episodes as to what's the one in this episode that's going to make us almost want to throw up because it's so violent. This yeah. this was that for me. Yeah, I, I'll definitely say I was I was looking away from the screen a bit uh, as as the hammer came down for uh, for the second or third time. Yeah, I think this was pretty brutal for me to be honest. It was definitely brutal for me, but it, it did kind of feel necessary because I think um, we've seen glimpses of Harold's uh, nature. And I think this um, really kind of cements it that, Mm -hmm. you know, he is uncompromising and he is looking out for himself. I I think for me, uh, you know, part of this seemed to suggest something that we had talked about previously that, you know, maybe Harold does actually want to escape the hand. You know, there there was a, a slight element of desperation. I think it also then, uh, a bit like you were saying, Derek, about um, the Ward's temperament. He, he's gotten it from his, his father. It reflects quite nicely with the, the ending, yeah. uh, with how Ward deals with his violence and, and what he's doing. And yeah. I suppose we'll probably come on to that. We will definitely uh, come on to that. But, um, so I kind of felt it was necessary. I mean, we've seen many like gangster films where you would have heard take out the teeth, you know, strip the fingerprints uh, and all this, you know, mutilate the body. He He's kind of doing what the, the, those steps in a sense. But it, yeah, I mean, it, it's not for the faint hearted. It's fairly graphic. Um, and I mean, there is a, a an attempt to put a lightness around it as well by the blaseness with which Harold to an extent goes about doing it. So I definitely kind of understand that as well. I think it's, we finally got that question answered about whether he was hiding the iron fist from Madame Gao or whether he was hiding him in his back pocket to try and get himself away from Madame Gao. It does feel like Harold was really excited to have the iron fist to take on Madame Gao in the hand. Uh, that would finally release him from this. It was like like as if he was trying to protect himself um, because these guys from the hand were coming over to try and and kidnap him and get get Danny Rand. And he says he doesn't know where he is. He doesn't know who he is. He didn't have any discussions with him. So uh, so that question is finally put to bed, as also is Harold. (laughs) 100%. Absolutely. Anything else about Harold, Chris? Yeah, okay. So as you said, this kind of... say this brings up a lot of our questions in terms of the Harold's usage 
in this show mm-hmm. and where this was all going, especially in his involvement with the hand. One thing I do want to say now is that the usage of Harold or the Meachams in this series for me has been better than it was in the comics in an origin story perspective. Mm-hmm. It was short order, very quick, um, especially the the Harold piece in the comic books, and I'm kind of referring to to the Immortal Iron Fist run. But for me, this was a great piece because what it did was it showed he's very self centered. So it's showing why he was so he he was so quick to cut off his own his own finger to mm-hmm. spite his face almost. In terms of like he was so quick to to fix a small issue because he believed that he could one up or get an up uh, he could become more than he was right now so he's already he's already alive after being brought back from the dead once and he he's living a life uh, where he shouldn't be living a life yeah so he's now like okay how can i use danny but he's absolutely not going to give up that life for anything is, is also, yeah absolutely yeah. Yeah. yeah my two kind of last little mini points in this really are in, in the fight i loved again how danny disables the firearm and um, like we saw in, in episode one yeah. so almost he, he does his martial arts move and at, as he's kind of landing he's unclipping the 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 rounds from from the gun and just to disable the firearm i thought that was really really clever yeah um and it must and, have been part of the training in kunlun yeah. was how to, dis- how to dismantle firearms because i presume yeah. there wasn't a shooting well range maybe there. but i just think that's really really clever it is. then the other thing that just kind of made me slightly laugh actually was as uh ward is putting the bodies uh, of these two operatives one into the boot, which he's kind of like forcing in, but it was the moment where he's dragging the the feet from one side of the car, and you just see the head on the other side of the car disappear onto the back seat, uh-huh. and you hear the grunting and the groaning and the effort of of Ward trying to pull. I presume it's the bigger of the two operatives yeah. onto the back seat. I found that quite funny. It was. Um, it was. I, I found that I had a little chuckle. I just thought the image of it, uh, the way the camera was set, just seeing this head disappear onto the back seat with all the effort <laughs> that Ward is doing was was really quite funny. It was like a very, very dark Mr. Bean moment. It was, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, I like it that. really was. I like that. Well, let's get on to one other point. There is a level in Rand Enterprises in between all of the other levels, so we're going to separate the two Meachams with level 13. Uh, our our, fi- our second last point about the episode. Uh, this is the explanation uh, that we've been looking for, for why the um, the heroin dealers that we saw in, uh, in episode 5 why they were outside Rand Enterprises and why they were going in. Madame Gale has set up shop on level 13 of, uh, of Rand Enterprises. Um, quite interesting. We do get to see one of the uh, one of the heroin dealers, uh, Sophie, I think it was, um, the English heroin dealer, um, who is also working for Madame Gale now and uh, and working very much under duress as uh, as Danny goes down and talks to her. For me, this the, first of all, how Danny got down there was freaking cool. Oh, yeah, my. very cool. I actually wanted to see more of it. I wanted to see like him almost doing a Captain America while sliding down and sparks sparking from his fist. <laughs> I like Which, I like that he starts it off by going, "This is gonna hurt." So despite the yeah. fact that he has an iron fist, he knows that a hand sliding down metal is gonna hurt regardless, right? Exactly. 
and I, but I was kind of almost hoping to see more of it. I was like wanting to see the, ooh, or like just something like kind of him blowing on his face when he he landed, like right. ooh, ah, ah, ooh, ah, kind of like something like that to make a bit light of the situation. It looked pretty cool though. I must, I must it must looked admit, amazing. Yeah. I just wanted to see. If he had if he had done that, then Madame Gao really would have hurt him <laughs> on, on top of the lift, mm-hmm. and her her pointy cane might have gone uh, rocketing through the roof of the lift. Absolutely. Do you think she would have looked up? She or she knows she's just gone and provoked Danny, and she goes down to her secret level thirteen uh, area. She hears a thud on her way down. Do you think she go? Did the immortal Iron Fist, who we know has super or human powers, potentially just jump on the roof? No, no, it, it, it couldn't be. I, I just think she's hugely cocky and doesn't care at all. She's just threatened him. She's just said, I've been around long enough to see many, many people like you come and go. She says she knows all of his friends. She calls out the fact that she knows Colleen Wing. So that's a nice threat there that if we don't get to you, remember, you have friends that we could go after. I think she just doesn't care if it is him or if it isn't him. It doesn't really matter. It's just a bump. She can take care of whatever the hell it is. You know, um, there's a couple of nice call outs there from, from Madame Gow in these in these scenes where uh, we finally see that she has taken over Wilson Fisk's operation in uh, Hell's Kitchen. She references the fact that the Russians are going to be running these this heroin, the uh, Dogs of Hell, who are the other biker gang um, from Daredevil Season 2. They're going to be running the, the drugs for her. And she goes, they're working for me. These aren't like they were in Season 1 of, of Daredevil. These aren't just other partners in the industry. Madame Gao now controls the whole thing because Wilson Fisk has been sent to prison. Um, so that was great. I, I mean, just her comeback with Sophia, uh, the lady on the, on the 13th floor, and just saying, you know, you need to remind them they are not our partners, they mm-hmm. work for us. And I think that just kind of comes back to just the supreme confidence that she has Presumably in her own ability, given what we saw uh, at the end of the great duel between Iron Fist and the Hand. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, I, I kind of have a feeling that she does know that Danny Rand is trailing her. I mean, just the way she looks up and she looks at her henchman, there's kind of a knowing glance. And whether she has a, a bit of a spidey sense, because, again, in the room, she's kind of... She has a feeling. Ooh, so is she Madam Webb? She could be. Ooh. Ooh. But like I, I, I love the supreme confidence of her in this. I mean, even to the fact that, you know, Danny keeps calling out about what do you know about my father? And she doesn't say anything. She knows that that is an absolute bait point for him. Mm-hmm. She doesn't reveal any more about how she knows uh, his dad, even though he keeps repeatedly asking her even with the feng shui jab it's just a jab yeah it's like she's poking him all the time i just find that really really great oh she's great um, and then you just see this 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 frail looking lady with her cane and the way she walks the whole mannerism of madame gao just is fantastic yeah. i think um i yeah, I can't stop talking about Madame Gao. <laughs> she is great, but it does lead on to the other point of the episode, obviously, that, that Colleen and Danny, along with the hatchet men that we saw Danny have that wonderful hallway fight sequence with, they all team up together to go after the hand to get back Radovan the chemist from Rand's own warehouses, which is which are now 
under the operation by uh, by the hand. So um, so ni- some nice scenes in here as well, some nice fight sequences in here. But the big reveal that uh, from Radovan as to where Danny's next mission takes him is to the same place where his family were traveling to 15 years before when Danny disappeared and went to Kunlun. So um, so all coming full circle here. We still haven't seen our flashback to Kunlun that we were expecting. Maybe we're never going to see our flashback to Kunlun. Maybe we're going to have Danny travel to Anjou and pick up the trail that way. That would be very cool if he, he takes a trip to Anjou. Definitely. If that's the our way into Kunlun, that's great. That's that's really good. I like the intrigue that that, that it brings. Again, it, it it's more questions about his, um, Danny's family mm-hmm. and, and what um, they were doing, uh, traveling fifteen years ago. What 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 was the purpose of that? Certainly, that Madame Gao knows Wayland. So, like, this is really interesting. I mean, just coming back to the. I, I the the fight in the warehouse. I love that team up actually. Um, I really like the lift opening up, and, and there was hiking Yang just with his arms crossed as, as his boys go out uh, on, on the attack. Um, mm-hmm. I thought that was I thought that was really good. Yeah, and with their I mean, cool holstered you know, hatchets uh, yeah. under, under their coats. And of course, Radovan finally snuffs it because of secondary infections. I want to I want to jump back slightly mm-hmm. to the, the the point you, you mentioned on what Gao said, right? In this episode, she reconfirms that there's been previous Iron Fist, etc., and she's pushing that potentially the Rans were involved and were going towards uh, the Tibet, towards potentially Kung Lung, or well, we now know where they were going was the secondary warehouse. Mm-hmm. Could it be that? Danny has been destined to become an Iron Fist because his father was one. Maybe, maybe it, it could be, an be. Interesting one. Could it be that there was a previous an, an Orson Rand, which is a character from the, the uh, Iron Fist and Mortal Iron Fist series as well? Mm-hmm. Could he be an Iron Fist as well? Could this be? kind of they're starting to build the, the greater lore that is there already there, there was so much in this level 13 scene that I'm, I'm sorry i'm just trying to jump through one was that could they be pulling this in which we will get in the actual flashback scenes we may Maybe. get previous flashbacks to other iron fists and more importantly potentially to uh, danny's father then madam gao okay has been mentioning daredevil and she mentions luke cage yeah in this episode as well there's another defender she doesn't mention. That's right. Absolutely. Which I thought was really interesting. Yeah. When we think about it, Jessica has had no involvement with the hand mm-hmm. that we are aware of. Yeah. So she is a, she is their surprise weapon. That's very true, forward. yeah. Yeah, remember Luke Cage not only uh, not only does he have unbreakable skin, but he was all over the newspapers in Harlem after his adventures uh, in Harlem in, in Luke Cage season one. So it's very likely she would know about the man with unbreakable skin. That is the that is a local hero. It's obviously she knows who uh, Daredevil is because she's gone up against him. But yeah, there's no reason why she would know about Jessica. Uh, she wasn't involved in any of the adventures that Luke Cage went through. The explanation, I think, for what happened during Jessica Jones was kind of played off by the media as just an excuse uh, for why she killed a former boyfriend. I think that's what we see in, in Luke Cage, uh, a little bit of that. Um, so there's no particular reason why she would be aware of it. But yeah, she's, she's definitely another another powered individual that uh, that Madab Gao will potentially face uh, coming up in the, in the Defenders. Yeah, and then kind of this leads me to my kind of secondary point on this. 
the more that we find out about the hand in this series, mm-hmm. as well as in previous series, I am struggling to understand the relationship of what the hand is and what the Iron Fist slash Kung Lung is to the hand. They just don't like drugs, Chris. I yeah, well that could yeah, <laughs> drugs are bad. I think it was just what where I'm trying to go with this is that the Iron Fist is the the ultimate weapon against the hand. Yeah. In the comic books the hand have always been this ninja group. And the Iron Fist and Kung Lung has been that kind of Tibetan Shaolin styled kind of city yeah, yeah, yeah. monks, warrior monks, etc. But we did see a much more mystical side of the hand in season two of Daredevil, definitely. Exactly. So I'm starting to wonder where they're going with this. Uh-huh. So I think what I'm trying to say is I, I, I find I, I'm struggling to understand who the hand are and what the relationship of the Kung Lung is to that. Mm-hmm. And like we, we know that the hand is selling drugs to support their other nefarious ninja based activities, nighttime activities. And we know that the Iron Fist is the, the sworn enemy. So I, I, I'm hoping we get a more distinct explanation of this mm-hmm. now. Yeah. Especially in how they, they previously interacted. And then I know we'll probably, I'll, I'll, I will get a couple of answers and then more obviously when the Defenders series launches. I think what I'm just more curious about is they keep teasing it and of course just being the, 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 the the nerd that I am, I have certain expectations in my head from what the hand is in the comic books. Right. And I think they're deviating from that. So I think it confuses parts of me where I'm like, that's something I'm always going to do. I like, I know when they do spot, when I go see Spider-Man homecoming, I'm going to be, have a, a thing in my head going, wait, the vulture is not like that. <laughs> um, and of course, this is, we have to remember, I have to step back and this is a different interpretation. I, I don't think I'm a purist. I'm more, I just, I need an explanation at this point. Uh, uh, there's too many questions for me. No, I totally understand. Uh, I think I think the way the shows are handling the hand, if that's a good way to put it, is that as each character interacts with them, so as Elektra interacted with the hand, she learned some things about them that we didn't know before as the audience, as Daredevil interacted with them. He learned things about them. But they were each of them starting from scratch as characters. With Danny now learning about the hand outside of what he's been taught in Kunlun, which we don't know. Uh, All he knows was that he was standing at the gates in case the hand attacked. They're an ancient organization. They're not just drug runners. Obviously, there must be something else if they've been going on for thousands of years. It's not just that they sold heroin for all that time. That seems like a really (laughs) unusual uh, thing to keep you going for thousands of years. But he's just learning about them slowly. But I understand the kind of frustration as well. If you've got a big bad like this that's gone on effectively for three of the five seasons that we've been watching these shows um, and we still don't know much about them. All we know is that Madame Gao seems to control a lot of it, but most of it is just selling drugs uh, that Madame Gao's in control of. Yeah, I mean, I, I think season one of Daredevil introduced uh, Madame Gao as a partner and, you know, were they really explicit about her being the hand? We spotted the steel serpent symbol on, on mm. the drug run, but that was more of a partner with Wilson Fisk. I suppose really it's introducing that mystical element as was con- uh, into this world through, I think at the time we said, effectively a front type of operation, which was drug running and, and, and so on, in order so that they have money yeah. to buy land and all that that we see then in um, in season 
two as well with, with Wilson Fisk. Yeah. Then we get more of the mystical elements with Electra and, and Daredevil. Yeah. So it, it starts to build. I think definitely with then Iron Fist, we know that this is at least fully mystical. But I do agree with you, Chris, in that we still don't really know why Danny Rand left Kun Lun. Ultimately, his teachings, his training there would be to say that he is the protector of Conlon from the hand yeah. or or from attackers of the mystical city. We still don't know why he came to, to New York except to find out more about the death of his parents or, or the plane crash and, and what happened. But I'm wondering, yeah. you know, is there the thing that he's like, I'm the sworn enemy of the hand, but the hand, I'm not fighting the hand because they're not attacking the city. Therefore, he, he's come out of, of that to find them, to to attack them. Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, Except he, that he didn't know they were in New York because he gets really surprised by that idea. No, exactly. But doesn't it suck even more that he came to New York to find out about the history of his family and now he's being sent back to Anjou, uh, which was probably a bit closer. It was probably a walk down the hill from uh, from Kunlun. Yeah, so I think we definitely need to see uh, more in relation to Danny uh, and the Hans relationship. And I think it's definitely going to connect in more with Stick and and, and Stone and, yeah. and just those scenes that we saw in, in Daredevil Season 2. Absolutely. But yeah, I mean, it would be interesting to just get some more on that Conlon-Danny Rand interface. Yeah. Um, I suppose as well, as I say, if they do attack Conlon or if there is something along those lines, you know, I think as we've said previously, that could be a, a modification of Hydra going after the mystical city from the Immortal Iron Fist. Absolutely. And they've just replaced that with with the hand uh, as that organization that is attacking it in relation to the power that it can hold uh, in terms of the molten heart of Shaolau. But we also need to have more on Shaolau. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think that was a good diversion to break up the two Meacham storylines, which were obviously the main storylines of the episode. Uh, on to our final point, Ward Meacham. Chris, you mentioned in the last episode, you were wondering, this guy's gone absolutely crazy took a bit of heroin, took loads of drugs, uh, was going to his lowest low, and you couldn't go any lower. He can, it turns out. Um, he can kill his own father and uh, throw him in the lake. Yeah, don't cancel his vacation. Absolutely. No, or steal his money. Uh-huh. Uh, 21 million or 21 billion, I wasn't sure. <laughs> I'd need to double-check my zeros. But yeah, no, look, they, they did this. We talked about it in the last episode. I didn't know how far they would take this. Uh-huh. And they did. They took this... They've created this, the new monster, Frankenstein's monster, which I love the storyline behind that, which is just, it's a great telling that Frankenstein was Harold and now Ward is the monster and Harold created him. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that the, especially the, the psychotic break on his face uh. over this episode, slowly becoming more twisted and crazy. And I think we, we did also question what they were going to do with this character. I think it was the last episode and some of the previous ones. So is he going to be a bad? Is he going to be a good? Is he going to have a redemption story? Mm-hmm. Where are they going with this? Okay, nope. They're just making him out to be a crazy... He's a crazy medium. Yeah, yeah. Big and time. I love it. Yeah. I love the way they did this. This is big for me as the reveal in episode seven of Luke Cage that the big bad for Luke Cage was Mariah Dillard. It was not... Cottonmouth. It's that it's that bigger reveal. I thought 
know, David Wenham playing Harold Meacham in this show. He was going to be the big bad. And then Ward Meacham comes along. He's, you know, he's put upon son. And now he is the big bad for the show. He's just slaughtered his own father in cold blood because he had no other option in his mind. He was being completely controlled by him for his entire life. And the only option he had set up for himself, which was embezzle money from the company and run away with it. His father took that away because his father's been watching him. So, uh, yeah, this is our big bad for the show. This is the person we should have been keeping our eye on from the Weasley scumbag CEO in episode one to this sudden murderer with a smile on his face driving away after uh, after planting his father's body in a lake. This is the big bad for the show. And the Weasley kid that kicks Danny in the nuts and, uh, you know, is, is, a, bit, is a bit of an arse, uh-huh. really. I mean, yeah, it's, it kind of links into the Russian doll theory that we were saying. You know, we were suddenly, like, going, hang on, is Meacham the big bad? Is Madame Gao the big bad? Is it Davos that's the big bad? Uh, and here we see, you know, Harold has become expendable. Mm. But not at the hands of Iron Fist, not at the hands of uh, of Madame Gao, of his own son, uh, Ward. I, I thought his disintegration in this episode was just fantastic. Yeah. And it, it kind of being topped off with that that wry smile is fantastic. It, it really was. I, I think um, Ward has me able to both chuckle at him getting a body into uh, the back seat of a car gasp at the fact that he's just stabbing his his father in the stomach and also going shouting at him because he's acting as like such a dick he's got me doing all these things either just in this episode or over the series so far yeah. and it's a great 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 character and um, for that that just diversity um, and range of just how nutty he is. Um, I really like it. And it, it's topped off with just like the fact that he's got that long hair that when slicked back, he, he is, you know, top dollar, uh, top floor executive. But as soon as he gets stressed, I mean, it just starts to fray as Absolutely. well. And you've got these straggly bits of of, of her falling down, uh, looking greasy, um, really good. And I think him killing Harold, absolute great moment and, and shock moment for, for, for this episode and for the show so far. Um, I thought it was really good. I'd love to know what that wry smile means. Is it just the fact that, you know... Final relief um, that his father's gone? Yeah, or... final relief or that he's got something else whirring through his brain at the moment. And, I mean, the other thing is how many bodies are in that lake? <laughs> I, again, him wading through that, kind of, like, stomping on the bodies to try yeah. and sink them down again. A great little physical kind of... Um, nuance to to the scene. I, uh, he, he's such a good actor, as Tom yeah. Pelfroy, uh, in this role. I've really, really enjoyed him, and I think, as you said, Chris, before what he's brought to the Meachams uh, as this other side in Danny's life, it, it's gone beyond it being just simply that Harold was responsible for the the plane going down. And we we don't know that in this story yet. It could be the case or it could be another uh, another reason. You know, they have taken uh, and changed up uh the the Meachams and and for the better, I think, as you say. I mean, in the Immortal Iron Fist, the Meachams are almost 
treated as a a sidebar kind of story mm. uh, to an extent but here we we see them in the flesh and i i think um ward meacham is, is fantastic and isn't, um, isn't ward joy's uncle in the in the comic books as well he's harold's brother in the comics so uh, so a slightly different character as well so yeah i mean at least he doesn't have to say to joy now that her father's alive that's true. Yeah, it's that's true. true. The silver lining. Yeah. Um, but what a day for Harold to not bring not bring Kyle to the office as uh, his personal assistant. You know? <laughs> well, maybe he did, and that's where the other body is. Like that's why he's stomping. <laughs> Poor Kyle. Um, yeah. I really want to give a huge shout out to Tom Pelfrey on this. Mm-hmm. For me, he was a, a complete unknown. I know some people may know him from Banshee, right? Uh, which, I, but I've never watched it, so I, can, I can't attest to his acting skills in that um so he was an unknown for me yeah and yeah well, okay we've discussed the, the actor's skill in showing that kind of crazy twitch and that, that breaking point that of word and what he was going through yeah um but this for me was like a standout performance like hands down yeah just the the, the descent into madness mm-hmm. um and yeah, I really, I, I think it was in the last episode or again previous episode we discussed. Ooh, is could Ward work for the hand at some point? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Does he go towards the hand. This could be the point. Harold has created a monster, and Ward will go and try and work for his father's captors because he hates. Absolutely, and especially now that he's been pulled out of uh, of Rand Enterprises along with Joy, so uh, he's now been pushed out by the board along with Danny and Joy. The, the board are now taking over the company, so he's going to go back having lost all of his money because his father stole it from him. Didn't put it back. Didn't put it back before he killed him. And yeah, could this push him over the edge even further? So um, there is a really touching scene with him, which I don't, I don't think you guys have mentioned that that scene with Joy, where she tries to convince him to go and get help. And he finally gives in and go, I'm, I'm going to have to go and do it. This is why he's on the run. This is why he's taking his money and going off on holidays, because Joy has convinced him, you need to get out of here or else you're going to do something crazy. And that is what turns into the breaking point. That's where his father pulls him back. So, But I thought the scene between Joy and, and Ward again was quite a touching scene between the two of them, where he finally is admitting, I just can't do this anymore. There's nothing... There's nothing keeping me here and I'm not able to be in control of my own life. And I can't even tell my sister what's going on because I've never told her that her father's been alive for 12 years, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Um, Like one of the other things, do you think we'll see zombie Harold? Um, Is there still a bit of the hands hocus pocus in his bloodstream? You know, this is a really interesting point. When you you put this in the notes for for our episode, I wasn't thinking about it. I was kind of going, yeah, that's probably not going to happen. But you know what? This is... This is a character who is brought back to life by the hand. We've never seen what happens when they get killed, except for one character that I can think of, which was a ninja in Daredevil called Nobu. Uh, He came back repeatedly until a certain man called Stick took off his head. So um, we didn't see a a headless version of Harold Meacham here. Uh, We could, in fact, see him come back from the dead. Exactly. Uh, Zombie Jesus Harold Meacham. He kind of was already zombie for the last 12 years, technically. He did die. That is true. And came back to life. So um, so it's very possible we could see him die and come back to life. So yeah, a fantastic closer to the the arc so far for Ward. I'm really interested to see what happens to him in future. Yeah, just before we kind of end on our discussions about Ward, I really want to kind of, again, I'm really interested to see where they take this as a character. Mm-hmm. 
I I don't mind if he's a big bad for the remainder of the season, or if potentially he's a big bad for defenders because we've talked about maybe they bring back one of the bads for each of the characters mm. to to kind of have them face off against their nemesis or nemesis or nemesises, and then maybe that like Jessica Jones takes Ward and Luke Cage takes. Um, I don't know, Electra, for example, and yeah, they, yeah. you know, that's how they they learn that they need to find each other's strengths and use each other's strengths to defend or defeat the other people. You know, you know where I'm all going with this. Absolutely, I would actually be really enjoy seeing Ward as potentially that because what's the difference between running a multi-million dollar corporation or running a multi-million dollar heroin operation for the hand? Mm. With, while slightly crazy. Absolutely. Where I'm also, um, the, the reminder this has got me, Jerome from uh, Gotham. Uh-huh. This is a re- slight reminder for me of this character and how the portrayal of that descent into cr- full-on craziness is perhaps going and where they could take it in an interesting manner. I'll let all of our friends who are not sure what I'm talking about go over to Gotham TV podcast where you can hear these two beautiful desitones without me because I'm Marvel through and through. <laughs> Thanks for the plug, Chris. No problem. No problem. I- I'm here to help any time. That's five euro. <laughs> Every time I mention the other podcast, you have to pay me. We but don't no, pay you for think... this one, so why not? Exactly. <laughs> I do it for the love. But no, I think that's another portrayal where I've seen, we've seen a character go from not too weird to full on crazy and I'd love to see them take that direction with Ward. Interesting. Interesting. Absolutely. Yeah, we, we might see that a bit more in the uh, in, in Gotham as well. Yeah. Um, I think that's enough on our top five points uh, for the episode. I think we need to get into is there any is there a couple of notes? Uh, I, I think so. I know we have one big note which uh, which we finally resolved as to whether um Mitchum was drinking kale or not. Yeah, it's not kale, it's me. Um, the juice, yeah, certainly isn't uh, pulped up kale. It's syllabum marinium or milk thistle, which is good for the liver, apparently, but not good for the stomach with a knife being thrust into it repeatedly. <laughs> yeah, this is the juice, the the potion, if you will, uh, that Harold is swigging back. Um, it's no whiskey watch, but we've managed to uh, get it tied down here. Yeah, syllabum marinium. Interesting. Interesting. Uh, my one for this episode was about Karen Page, uh, a nice little call out that uh, Karen Karen Page of the Bulletin was interested in the story. She's also the writer of the article that Joy is reading about Danny. So uh, so it sounds like Karen Page could be brought in quite easily and would know who uh, who Danny Rand is very quickly uh, because she's been writing stories about him over in the Bulletin. Um, still haven't gotten Deborah Ann Wall on the show just yet, uh, but there's absolutely a possibility at the end of this whole series that she runs up with paper and pen in hand and says, Danny, can I have your, your story to write my Pulitzer Prize winning book or something? <laughs> well, on that note, um, there was a lovely one that it's not exactly a tattoo, as Danny says to Colleen. Mm-hmm. When, yes. oh, when is Tell he going to start is. telling exactly that? Oh, no, no, no. I just got branded when I tried to fight a dragon mm-hmm. and won. <laughs> Come on, I just want to hear him say that line. Oh, I yeah, am. no, it's not a tattoo. It was a brand. I fought a dragon and pulled out his beating heart, and <laughs> this is what I got. Yeah, I'm, I'm seriously yeah. waiting for that line. Mm-hmm. Or something along attest to that, because that would be amazing. But remember, kids, he was trying to um, trying to get with uh, Colleen Wing, so 
Maybe that story is the one that might have made her go, actually, just get out, Danny. Um, <laughs> I don't really believe any of this stuff. Get out. Um, so, yeah, fair, fair, fair choice there, Danny. Um, that's it for the notes and points for the episode. It is from my side, yeah. It certainly is. So, John, do you defend this episode of Iron Fist, Season 1, Episode 7, Felling Tree with Roots? Oh, I juicy do. This, uh, I would give four and a half dental hammers out of five. Um I really enjoyed this episode. Um, I just thought it was really uh, fast-paced. I thought from uh, the the building of the relationship between uh, Danny and Colleen uh, through to the disintegration of that relationship and the, the murder of Harold by Ward. Really, really good. Very bold. I, I enjoyed the, this kind of... Uh, ramping up of, of the, the the physical violence in this, um, for me, I thought it put the likes of the hand into the same league uh, as we had seen them in, in season two of Daredevil. Right. You know, it felt consistent in that sense, um, and of course we were introduced to um, both level thirteen and uh, Bakuto, um, this mysterious mentor of Colleen's, and, and just asking some intriguing questions over Colleen, even uh, as well as uh, Bakuto. So for me, this this episode had thrills, spills, family troubles, and, you know, a lot of intrigue. So, really good. And, of course, it had Mojo in the dojo. Chris, do you defend this episode of Iron Fist? I do defend this episode. I 100% do. There was elements where I was, as I already talked about, I was like, oh, really, this is where you're going with it? There there was elements where, uh, so obviously, like, we talked about the violence, and I was very much... Okay, it was it was great use, and we we talked how that violence worked in Daredevil season one, and there was gut wrenching pieces. But because of previous comments, I can't get this American Psycho piece out of my head. And I think this was just more of my fault versus the show's fault, so I can't hold that against it. But the piece that's kind of forming more and more in my head is for every one question we get answered five to ten more get placed into on top of my head and i'm like oh no okay just give me give me one episode where you answer 20 for me yeah and then just give me one or two extra this show is hydra yes exactly <laughs> cut one off and we'll new four will rise but basically yes no look we had the mysterious mentor i want to know where bakatu is uh-huh. there what he is is he davos is he not the dojo scene Again, I'm a purist, so I think that's why I was a bit... But I like that they're taking this in a new direction, and I can actually understand that, and I think it's it's good. So yes, I do defend it. It's just they need to... They, they need to start wrapping some storylines up if they're going to do what a normal Netflix show does, where they will answer. Um, they'll start uh, uh, chapter two, arc two yeah. of it now. Uh, that's all I, I think I need. I think to that point, Arc Two is going to be the other six episodes of the series. We are we are at the halfway point. Uh, so, yeah. well, halfway through this episode was the halfway point, but uh, <laughs> but yeah, we are we are getting there. We are on the other side of the uh, of the season. Okay, so on my ramblings, Derek, do you defend this episode of Iron Fist? I absolutely defend this episode. Everything hangs on Tom Pelfrey's performance as Ward in this episode. If he had been a bad actor, if he couldn't pull off 
all the scenes that he has in this episode. It just wouldn't have worked. Um, there's also some great other scenes, obviously, with Colleen Wing um, and Danny. They really enjoyed uh, enjoyed those scenes between the two of them because it does show how the two of them have grown together over time. Um, yeah, this is this is the high point for the season so far for me, really. Uh, it's It's got everything in it. It's got Madame Gao. And I'm saying that after the episode that I thought I wanted for the season, which was last episode, which was all the fight scenes uh, for an entire episode. So um, this is exactly the culmination of all of these characters. So I'm really looking forward to, to seeing episode eight. And it's an absolute defend for me. Yeah. So with that, I think it's on to our feedback. Yeah. Our first piece of feedback comes from our Facebook group over at facebook.com slash groups slash Defenders TV podcast. Jeff Charles says, that was amazing watching Ward become unhinged. Yeah, definitely one of my favorite things about this episode. Absolutely. Really great to see. Claire Payne also uh, says, Harold smashing the faces of the two henchmen was gruesome. I did feel for Ward when Harold told him to dump the bodies. Well done, Colleen, for breaking Danny's oath of chastity. (laughs) Really interesting introduction of Bakuto. I found it really interesting when she says, you will always come first to me. I hope this doesn't ruin their romance. Absolutely. Will it ruin their romance? Or is it that Colleen is, you know, a double agent Mm -hmm. of some description? Uh, Really interesting. But certainly, I think the gruesomeness of this uh, episode is echoed from a comment by Jim Carrey as well. Yeah, gruesome, brutal, barbaric. Were any of the other Netflix series this extreme except in fight revenge context? Absolutely. I could only equate it to season two of Daredevil mm-hmm. with some of the the punishment and violence of the Punisher. Yeah. Uh, but again, yeah, I suppose that's in a revenge context. But maybe it's a cleanup operation by Harold and is Ward's also revenge to some extent. Absolutely. It's the psychological toll that has been taken on Ward by dealing with his father's particular way of fatherhood, but also just <laughs> keeping things secret from the the one person left in the family that he cares for, which is Joy. But yeah, yeah. certainly very brutal, Jim. Yeah. yeah, I think I mentioned in the episode just a couple of the other, uh, a couple of the moments during Daredevil season two that that we had, we had mentioned there was some real brutality in that. But yeah, this is definitely uh, up there with those episodes. Um, Rebecca Bradour says, "Love the male Meachams and their effed up relationship." Yeah, totally. This episode was all about the Meachams. And finally, Robert Phillips says, "I remember it took just a few minutes to revive the Hand members in Daredevil season two. Could Harold be coming back to life more slowly?" Yeah, that's echoing kind of our thoughts in this episode. Yeah, absolutely. Let's uh, let's hope that he returns to add a bit of spice. I can imagine the conversation now as he shows up on the top floor of Rand Enterprises with Joy and Ward both there. A difficult conversation, I think, would lie ahead if uh, if Harold comes back. But yeah, <laughs> really um, good point there from, from Robert. Thank you so much for all the feedback. As always, it's great to have your your feedback and thoughts. And if you have any kind of points of discussion or comments on the podcast, on any episode of Iron Fist or the series so far, you are more than welcome to leave an email at feedback at defenderstvpodcast.com or go onto our website and leave a voicemail. Uh, just go to defenderstvpodcast.com, leave a 90-second voicemail there. And remember, our competition is still open, so if you do send us a voicemail for any of our future episodes, you will be entered into the competition to win a marvellous Marvel prize at the end of our Iron Fist 
uh, coverage. And don't forget to go vote in our poll. In what name would we call all of the you defenders? Are you defendees? Are you defendettes? Well, let us know. Vote in the poll and we'll announce it hopefully in the coming weeks. Absolutely. Uh, thanks so much for coming and listening to this episode. We'll call them listeners for the moment. Uh, we'll be back on Friday, the 7th of April, with our review of uh, Season 1, Episode 8, The Blessing of Many Fractures. The reason why I wanted to say this one is because it is directed by Kevin Tancheron, the brother of Marissa Tancheron, who is one of my favourite people in the world because she's the showrunner for Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, along with Joss Whedon's brother Jed. So um, really excited to see Kevin Tancheron jump over from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. He's done a number of episodes over there uh, of the that my favourite show on TV, pretty much. Uh, so I'm excited to see what he does in the Nef- Marvel Netflix universe with Iron Fist. And considering one of the asks going into this season was that Phil Coulson would meet Danny Rand at some point during the season. Is that a possibility in the next episode? Will we get a cameo from Phil Coulson of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. crossing over with Danny Rand? Who knows, but if we do, uh, hear our thoughts and listen to us over at DefendersTVPodcast.com forward slash iTunes or any other good podcast catcher. So I think with that, it's hammer time. And thank you so much again, as always, for listening. And we will speak with you next time. Ta-ra for now. Just keep doing what you're doing. I'll be in contact. Bye.